check. Woo, hello. I think that my wife asks me to do this loud voice. <laughs> this is indeed a day which God has made. Let us rejoice in it and be glad. And let us count our many blessings. Let us be grateful for the capacity to see, feel, hear, and understand. Let us be grateful for the incredible gift of life. And let us be especially grateful for the ties of love which bind us together, giving dignity, meaning, worth, and joy to all of our days. Welcome to House Church. You are welcome here. I believe Marsha is going to lead us in some announcements. Actually, I'm going to do uh, missions and ethos. If everybody would like to stand with me as we recite our ethos and missions together. Amen. This is one of my favorite parts. Okay, here we go. House Church's mission is to connect people with God and with each other in an atmosphere of love and grace. As a faith community, we are committed to living relationally according to the values of our ethos. Married, divorced, and single here, there's one family that mingles here. Conservative and liberal here, we all gotta give a little here. Doubt and belief here, we all can receive here. LGBTQIA plus straight here, there's no hate here. Woman, man, and trans here, every gender, binary or non, can here. Whatever your race here, for all of us, a place here. Rich or poor here, class differences dissolve here. Able-bodied or differently abled, you're a part of the body of Christ here. Neurodivergent or neurotypical, you have the mind of Christ here. Popular and accepted, or cast out and rejected, we all belong in Christ here. In an imitation of the extravagant love God has for each of us and all of us, let us live and love the best we can by putting people first and labels second. You may be seated. All right, we're going to go through a good morning Facebook Live. Good morning, everyone. My name is Bonnie Labock, and I'm the lead pastor here at House Church Tulsa. I'm going to do some quick announcements. If you are a person who orders online, um, what did I say wrong already? Okay, they're in hysterics in the front row, so thought I'd ask if I... <laughs> Did I, is, is everything on? Do I, am I good? Okay, is this thing on? All right, Amazon Smile, please um, consider choosing House Church Tulsa as your charity of choice when you order on Amazon. I am a big proponent of buying local and supporting our local economy, but I understand the way in which the world operates at times, and we do just like to have that package delivered on the front porch tomorrow morning. So, in that case, we keep FedEx working, and we keep, Sarah says yes. Um, and so, please select House Church as your charity. Every time you order for business, for your work, please do that. Um, we have a very special 
um, giveaway. <laughs> um, Susan Hartman, are you in the house today, Susan? Susan was, I think, is still moving in. She just closed on a house here in Tulsa. Susan is very special to House Church because we, she offered her giant 5,000 square foot warehouse for House Church to start eight years ago. And um, so we're so grateful to Susan. She's not here today, but she's moving back to Tulsa. And in her move, this washer and dryer, this Bosch washer and dryer um, was in the house, and she thought about selling it but instead, she wanted to pay it forward and give it to a family that might need it. So if you need this washer and dryer, um, th then um, come and talk to me. Or just actually, th yeah, this number there, Susan Hartman, um, text her. Um, and she said it's a little dated, but it looks pretty new to me. I mean, it still has a digital face, so digital screen there. So anyway, um, go ahead. Next, honey. Um, walking the Bridgeless Canyon book study is starting this Thursday. Everybody say this Thursday. Online or in person. Your lovely. Don't dare show up to her house. After I just told you that, you do not show up there. No. It is online on Zoom. You can only show up on Zoom for Walking the Brothers Canyon. Um, repairing the breach between the church and the LGBTQ community, an examination of the historical, cultural, psychological, medical, social, and religious lenses through which LGBTQ people have been viewed with solutions to resolve decades of distortion. This book was pivotal in changing my perception of how the church, politics, and LGBTQ relate. Um, it's well over 400 pages. So what did this pastor do? Got it on Audible. So I listened to it on Audible while I was jogging. It took me about 100 miles to get through that, <laughs> that book. But Kelly's going to lead you through that book study because there is a study. Please see Kelly. Kelly, would you stand, wave, and do a shake something? See Kelly Kemp. Kelly and Lance. Um, there, Lance, you can stand and shake if you would like. You know? Yes. Do they need to read anything before the first meeting? Please read the intro. Please. It's like, it's 150 pages. Just read the. <laughs> Talk to Kelly afterward. Okay, you guys, seven days from now is going to be Easter in the house. Um, and so what I thought would be super fun is just let's have food. Let's have a lot of food together. I would love to have a potluck together here, and we'll have the, ta the tables out, the round tables. Um, we'll have lots of food, the Easter egg hunt, and service, everybody in together, an intergenerational service. There will be nursery provided for those zero to six-year-olds um, throughout the service. Um, so nursery's provided. Are you tracking with me? Children are going to stay in with families through the service. There is going to be tables out. There will be tables out. And I'm considering just having it a table-style service instead of making us go into rows after that. Um, but I'm not sure. And, and you have to bring a dish to share. Please bring, like, all the things. And I'm looking at Amanda. I'm staring into your soul. I'm staring into 
to the souls of all of you who cook that I know. I want the house to overflow with enchiladas, empanadas. I want everything. I want eggs, casseroles, waffles, pancakes, bacon, Jesus. I want everything. Can you guys do that? I, I mean, like tamales. I mean, can we have all the things that could be brunch? And then could there be so much that we just stay afterward and eat again? I mean, can that happen? Can we eat throughout the entire morning? Okay, God bless you. So, April, come save me from this. Uh, where is April and the children? She was waiting back there so patiently. Oh, okay, now you need to come up. I will not tell you that you cannot bring mimosas. I do not know whether or not you're bringing mimosas. I don't know if you're bringing mimosas. I do not know. And the church will provide, like, all the... Uh, napkins, you know, flatware, come on guys, uh, flatware, napkins, plates, la la la, you know, and some basic, um, come to me, come to me, um, and, and then we will have some of the basic food, uh, but please do fill in, if you already know like what you bring when it's potluck time, could, would you just shout it out like one at a time? If you're like, yeah, I'm totally bringing, say it. I heard something, mac and cheese something. Yes, mac and cheese in the house. Can I get a steak, lo lobster or something? Can I get pie? Tamales and what? Yes, Jamaican patties. Yes, all the things. Anybody else? Egg cat. Bag of Oreos in the house. Yes. Can I? Can I? Cajun food. Are you going to bring beans and rice or something like that, or dirty rice? But it's brunch, so at brunch. Everything can happen. So if everybody kind of shows that we eat around 9.30, I think that qualifies as brunch. That's because what I'm making it up. Well, start flowing in at 9-ish, you know, the thing. Yes. Okay. Hi. I have asked April and some select children to talk to us about what they do because I feel like we have the best children's ministry on the planet. And we do. Be, I have waited for this kind of children's ministry my whole life. This children's ministry, ministry allows children to wonder, to explore, to ask questions. It is story-driven and presence-driven. April is a skilled and educated and experienced pastor and I am blessed to have her at House Church. 
you don't even know what you have in this children's ministry. So I thought we could help you understand what we have in this children's ministry and um, just let her share a little bit. Everybody, a round of applause for Miss April Hammond. Well, they're all nervous, and I try to help them understand, so am I. So they come up here with me, and some of them want to talk, and some of them are just standing for moral support. But Bonnie wanted me to share some of what we do back there. And um, one of the stories I was going to share with you, something we've done recently, because uh, we think of, like, ways that we can reach out and love others. They're not just the same, like, coming in here and messing with hands or something that's something more meaningful to them. So Catherine is going to share some one of the things that we've done that was something to her. So um, we painted these rocks one time, and we put, like, special messages on them. And then we put them, like, around the park and around the hospital down there. And I think that's really good for others, like, if they come out of the hospital and they just, you know, really need some positive. And some people don't think that others, you know, love themselves or love others. So seeing messages help. So we went back a couple weeks later, and all the rocks were gone. So about 20 rocks were picked up by different people that might have needed. Some just had a heart on them, different things. And I was going to let Gabe. Gabe's been with me for a few years and see if he wanted to share anything. Uh, you can find good in people if you look good enough, and that also helps enlighten everyone if you just look right. I'm talking about love and peace the colors that God wants us to have everywhere we go and every vacation we take he wants us to have those and make new friends friends and family members and love all of them and be friendly to each other Allison doesn't want to share but I thought it was funny what she did share because it kind of made me feel funny at first, but I like it. But we have been talking because we have more kids back there, and so sometimes people get excited and we're talking all over each other. And so we've been talking a lot about how we honor others by being quiet when someone else is talking. And sometimes when we're talking over them, it's saying that what we had to say is more important, so we've all been practicing that. <laughs> so when we asked what she learned, that was, she was like, you said something about respecting others and letting them speak, and then when it's your turn to speak. And so we learn all kinds of things. I share some of the conscious discipline. We learn how to work with our own emotions and how we can calm our own bodies through breathing. You know, we have a comfort corner that Allison, like, no matter what age you are, she enjoys it. Isaiah sometimes likes to go over there. It's just a soft place to breathe and relax so they're not forced to stay at the table or do whatever it is that we're doing. But we do ask that during that sacred circle time that they are at least respectful of that 10 or 15 minutes where we share a Bible story or whatever. And when I first started doing it, having come from very fundamental stuff and, and, and Bible church and BBS and not knowing what this would look like. So I've learned a lot the last three or four years. But one thing is I just share the stories. We just share them and we just wonder about them and we just talk about them. And actually somebody told me that they remembered who was it? Sophia was telling me what she remembered was a story about Zacchaeus recently. So we learned about how he couldn't see and how Jesus came to his home and Jesus' love changed his heart and he went out and paid the money back. So she remembered that story from just a few weeks ago. So it's just exposing them. Many of them have not heard as many of the Bible stories like maybe I was drilled into me. 
but also they've not learned the negative part of that, you know, so, and that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, you got to choose this or this or blah, 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 blah. we're sharing just a beautiful, we just share the stories and we wonder together and then they usually go and reflect. So we have painting available every week. We have Play-Doh, we have Legos, boys who love to do with the Legos. And then we pray together. We share the good in our week, the stress in our week, our concerns, and we talk about those. And then we also lately have been going outside and making sure we get a lot of connection and friendship time because we have a lot of energy and that's just as important. And so um, I think that's all that I can think of. Would you stand with me? Come quick, quick, quick. Okay, I'll be real quick. Here's my observation so far. As somebody who has served in various children's ministries for 20 plus years, I have spent my entire adult life um, working with children under stress. Here's what I love about the way that we are ministering to children here. Play is the work of a child, right? That's how ch children work through stress, fear, everything else. Every other children's ministry that I've been a part of has a, a degree of what I call shame-based teaching. You know, there is something inherently wrong. You are inherently sinful. You need to do these things to get closer to God. There is none of that in this curriculum. It encourages creativity, it encourages questions, and it encourages hard questions by children. And so it's one of the best curriculums I think I've seen. That's all. That's all? Okay. House Church, would you stand with me if you can? Um, this is the time for grace and peace. The order of service is up on the screen. You can't expect about an hour-ish together. We try to be done around the noon hour. Um, we're going to pack a lot in today. Um, we have quite a few things to experience together. Um, I do want you to greet one another and make one another feel welcome. And so that's going to look a little differently for every person. So just keep in mind the, your social graces and intelligence as you greet one another. Be mindful of one another's space. Um, God bless you as you extend your grace and peace. Excuse 
There's no pretending Hearing your love, oh Lord, send me Oh Lord, send me Fine. 
Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and gather back into our seats. Amber. So grateful. Uh, just right, we're going to let the kids stay in uh, for Amber's peace blessings. I think the kids love that. And then they will be released to go back with Miss April. So go ahead and stay quiet for right now while Miss Amber does her peace blessing. Good morning. Uh, I wrote this peace blessing this week thinking about Passion Week, Holy Week, the story of Lazarus, and um, everything that just precedes the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so if some of this language is unfamiliar to you, maybe later go read, like, starting in, like, John 11 forward, um, and it'll start to make sense. Um, but I think it kind of translates... So peace to you as we approach this holy week. Peace to those who know that Good Friday is coming, but you wonder what's so good about it. Peace to the ones who relate more to the darkness <clears throat> of the tomb than to the light of resurrection. Peace to you who are so sick of saying goodbye and you just want hello to mean forever. But what if? goodbye could just mean God be with you until we, we are reunited again. What if each of you is Lazarus raised to new life, friend of Jesus? What if Jesus really rode in on a donkey just so you would know the Prince of Peace? And his peace is your birthright. So what if you can know peace no matter what? When the betrayal comes, when the crowd presses in, when they're crying out for your blood, when the skies go black, when the stone is rolled in front of the tomb, and it seems that all hope is lost, what if the path ahead of you has already been paved with peace? You are, after all, the beloved in Christ. Hosanna indeed. Peace to you. children, you may quietly and respectfully go to the back. If you are planning to attend the book study, um, there's a sign-up sheet in the back that we need you to put your name on with your phone number so that she can text you the appropriate information. And, please, and Kelly, I think, is going back into the back with kids today. So make sure that you connect with her on that if you want to be part of that study. He rides into the holy city, entering its gates as king. Branches of palms laid at the proclaiming victory, not over conquered people, not over claimed lands nor vanquished enemies, but ending the enmity between God and humanity, the evil of othering people for their differences, 
demonizing the sick and hurting, the diseased and damaged, the ones pushed to the margins by politics and religious power. But by bringing them back into the holy house, the temple made not by stones, but by the flesh and bones of the one who in his body absorbed the hatred, the sickness and sin, the diseases and despair, and gave back love and tenderness, wholeness and healing, compassion and commitment whose domain is not borders and boundaries, countries and nations, not divides between us but the expanse of our hearts, the rule of peace that comes when enfleshing the life of each other, seeing all as sisters and brothers, as neighbor and friend, not as different but as ourselves and another mirrored as a reflection, the divine spark between us, the Prince of Peace who enters our hearts into the depths of our souls, the holiest of holies, seeing who we are, knowing every part of our being, the beneath the charade and disguises we sometimes make for ourselves, often two-faced and false, Loyalty swaying, branches in the wind. Being unraveled, so it is beneath could come to the surface, to face the light and love, to see ourselves as we truly are. Allied with the one who saw himself, rejected and despised, disposable but remade and rebuilt into a holy house, a sacred temple, body renewed, restored as the cornerstone, the foundation of God's hesed, God's tenacious and everlasting love, extreme love that endures forever. to share that video um, today to set up our time of singing together. Heidi brought that video to me this week and I could hear her emotionally moved again as we watched. I was moved and touched by that video and imagery, especially on this Palm Sunday. 
talk more about what Palm Sunday means and what and why people call this next week Holy Week before Easter. As part of our people first ministry, I um, it is important to me that we take a pace and a rhythm that brings everyone along, that does not rush or force or drive past exhaustion. This ministry is largely supported in its leadership team by volunteers. People, if they are paid, are paid not enough to live on. So what they receive is intangible benefit. The blessing and the harvest of serving people and serving a greater purpose. Um, the band uh, led by Heidi, the worship team, has taken and needed a, a reset, a refresh, a break. And we started that a few weeks ago allowing them to just simply sit in the service alongside of you, Eve and Sarah and Amber and Heidi, and to experience what it's like to be inside of the assembly, not up there on the stage. And we sensed that God wanted to do something new in the music. And if we continue to do the same thing over and over again each week, we might miss out on that opportunity to receive the new. So we took a break, and that was a few weeks ago. And comically, I tried to lead us all in a four-part harmony. God bless me for that. I, that was not the new thing. That's not what I suggest going forward. I do not suggest it. We'll never talk of it again. However, um, <laughs> um, then we had this beautiful family Sunday last Sunday where my extended family was in here from out of town and like we had a baby dedication where everybody's extended family was here and so the band was like, well, we can't just not have live music when everybody's mom and dad is here, so we gotta do it, right? So they graciously did it and it was so beautiful. You wanted to do it. And so this week resumes our reset, um, which means we are going to sing a song, but this is one you know. And it's, and you, it's one we've done together because I believe that er, part of every service, um, public singing, corporate singing, is so healing and cathartic. And it does something to lift the atmosphere. Um, so we're gonna sing two songs today. We'll sing this one here called Alpha and Omega. And then we're going to have the gospel with Bob James, woo, woo, as well as, and the reason um, Bob James is gonna share just a little bit more about his own personal um, story of what's been happening with him um, as he has nearly passed on from this life and on to the other 
and has his life is spared and saved and is still here breathing this air with us today. Um, so I want us to prepare our hearts for that. But I have asked, um, so bless this rest that the band is taking. Can you do that? Can you find that generosity in your heart to bless it? Because we want to receive the new. In, it's not um, in replacement of, but in addition to the new, the new sound, the new way that this house needs to be led forward in worship. And it's a bold decision the week before Easter. <laughs> the, what does Jessica call it? What, what do you call Easter? Yeah, is it not? <laughs> I think she calls it like the Super Bowl of Christianity or something. <laughs> it's like, this is our day. I've never wanted to make it commercial, like all of a sudden we have to put on a different face for our Easter service, but we do want to put our best foot forward, and so there will be live music on Easter if you're planning on bringing your family or friends. <laughs> like, no, not if you're going to make us sing a cappella. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Marsha Foley was raised in a church in which they always sang a cappella, right? Yes. Church of Christ. Church of Christ. So. But right, thanks for bringing it up again. <laughs> thanks. No rounds either? No, just like, do it. Just stand up and say, you all stood? Did you stand up and sing? Twice. In a service. Okay, all right. Well, would you stand, if you will, with me? I've asked my beloved uh, bride, uh, Tamara, to lead us in this song. Um, you'll catch on to this so quickly, and I'm just thankful that someone else is leading you and not me. God bless you. So if you know this, this song, will you raise your hand if you already know it? Okay, if you know it, I'm going to ask um, that you sing, you close your eyes if you know it well, and sing with me, really planting your feet nice and, and firm and put your shoulders down and back and I really want you if you want to put your hand on your belly even while you're singing I really want this to be fully embodied and if you know this song and you're willing to sing along with me the first time please do and then it's very easy to catch on to so I know that there are amazing singers in this group of people and so find your harmony but let this be a time where it's probably been a long time since you've sang in a large group without a mask on right so really let it resonate in your body and if you are not a singer or you don't catch along in the tune and you just want to hum a note my in my invitation to you is that you will add your sound from your core into this space with us and if you want to sit you can sit as well but I'm inviting you to stand so it goes like this you are Alpha and Omega. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. 
let's do that again. You are Alpha and Omega. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to let it resonate in your body. Do it again. You are Alpha and Omega. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to give you all we Again, we give you all. will set the atmosphere. <laughs> Good morning. that this life is still here um, and that it continues to emerge and I believe that if you will open your heart to what will come through this vessel today this will be a transforming moment for you God bless you as you receive what you need thank you so before I read it's the longest gospel in three minutes I've ever done. It's about eight minutes, but 
the last um, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, six or seven months, I have uh, had something unusual for me to uh, happen since I was a kid. When I was a kid, I was very sickly. I got pneumonia and uh, bronchitis every, every single winter. Um, but in most of my adult life, I've been uh, very fortunate and hardly ever get sick. And when I do, it lasts literally sometimes like I'll get a flu for hours. Um, don't go to the doctor because I don't get sick and just, uh, again, un unusual. So back when uh, I got bronchitis last year, I was like, weird because it had been since I was a kid that I'd gotten anything like that. And then in uh, December, it kind of migrated into, I uh, had some problems with kidney stones where I was really having some pain, and that was weird. And then I got COVID, and it even though it only lasted a very short while, right after then that bronchitis was still kind of still hanging out, then it turned into bronchitis, which turned into pneumonia. And so uh, after about, I don't even remember exactly the timeline, but maybe a month, I ended up actually having to go to the ER because one day it just I just literally couldn't breathe anymore. And I had been struggling. I was having to power through to breathe in and then work to push out. And it was beyond exhausting. Went to the ER. And um, that particular day, um, I had a moment where I was just really ready to just go home. And then since then, there were three more times over the next weeks because it just kept doing this. It would seem like it was getting better, and then it would crash and burn again. And these moments of struggling and working exhaustingly just to breathe. Um, I, and I'd always been, when I was a kid, I've always been terrified to die. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it, but that's a lot of what drives my study of the Bible was my own personal fear of death. And so for me to have not once or twice or three times, but four times told Kelly, I'm, I'm, I'm really ready. I'm just ready to go home. Because this is just, it's, it was, I was just literally worn out. Physically, I mean literally physically exhausted that I could no longer breathe. And so I was just like, that's it, I'm, I'm ready. So in the midst of this, up and down, I kept saying, and it was so odd, I said, I feel like the air itself, I'm allergic to air. Every time I would breathe, I could feel itching in my lungs, in my throat. And I could feel that that's a lot of why it was so hard to breathe. Everything was anaphylactically closing down and so I would have to do everything I could to get as much air in the tiny little area that was left with everything being swollen. 
And one day, um, and again, my brain doesn't really remember time the way that a lot of people do, but recently, about a week or so ago, I realized that that was basically exactly what was happening. My physical body was allergic to air. And I said, I think somebody is praying against me. I kept telling her, I said, somebody is sending a curse to me for weeks when it would happen. I said, I just, I just have this knowing somebody doesn't like and why. Like, they don't like my message. They don't like the, the way I'm translating. They don't like that I don't praise the law. <laughs> I, there's lots of people that don't like what I'm, what I'm saying. And I thought, I think someone's literally praying against me and speaking words, and my body is being inundated by this curse, and that is why I'm allergic to air. So, that said, I began to work on this, and not even realizing, again, because I don't, you can ask my wife, half the time, I'm not aware, are we, is Christmas coming up? Is it 4th of July? I am so disconnected from calendars, I don't know not only what month or season, day of the week, I just don't get it, other than if it weren't that it's, the sun comes up in the day and it goes down at night, I wouldn't know what, what half of the day it is. And I wrote this, and it turns out that it's extremely apropos for Easter because this is the question and it answers to me why Jesus came why he suffered why he died why he had to shed his blood why he was in the tomb and why he resurrected are all questions that theologians have been asking for thousands of years and have so many different answers for. And to me, this finally, it was like all the things I've been studying and reading finally coalesced, and this is the current result of that. With all that, why is it important that we believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus. This may seem like an odd question to some of you, and to others it may push you just a bit. But I've come to realize that I may not have been as forthcoming with my beliefs, and I feel it's time for me to come out of my theological closet. I believe in the physical arrival upon earth of God as manifested in the actual flesh and bone of a human being whose name was Yeshua, or as we call him, Jesus. I believe he was the seed who was bruised by the serpent. Jesus then crushed the head, showing to all whose children we all belong. I believe that not only did he come to earth, put on a physical body like you and I possess, but that he went about and did miraculous things that have no rational explanation other than that the spirit of life moved through him and caused physical changes in the minds 
and bodies of those he touched and ministered to. Even the elements were subject to him as he changed water into alcoholic wine that made those who drank it giggle. I believe he brilliantly and more than willingly made specific decisions like a chess master over and over at exact times throughout his life so that at the precise time spoken about by the prophetic voices over hundreds of years before he was born, he was seized at the desire of the leaders of a nation, was tried for blasphemy, found guiltless by way of the law, which requires at least two competent voices to completely agree as to specifically what he said that showed a punishable crime. Yet despite being found faultless, he was sentenced to one of the most violent, painful, relentless punishments and humiliations ever devised by broken and blind humans. This all at the demand of those same chosen leaders, the crowds who followed their leadership, and the current world-dominating nation, Rome. This all had been dictated by the first declaration of punishment by the first innocent martyr in recorded history whose name was Abel of Adam. He demanded of God, the love servant of mankind, to curse his brother as he died. This cry from the ground and that clay would no longer serve Cain as it was designed to, including Cain's own body as it was composed of the earth. And so began a curse that has extended to all of the rest of mankind. The earth was no longer our servant and our bodies began to break down. This curse was a powerful spell sent forth by the mouth of one of the princes of the earth. By the power of his voice, sent through the very air, went forth a binding curse to hem in with obstacles and hold forever Cain and all of his descendants. It was also dispatched with specific instructions that it was to render all humans completely powerless to resist. This curse spread out like a virus to all of mankind as Cain's offspring intermarried with everyone on the planet. For hundreds of generations, millions of people around the globe for millennia were all held in the power of this death curse. But there was one who, by God's loving design, had been destined to receive the totality of this punishment once and for all. Hebrews 9.27 says plainly, And so it was forever appointed to this one man, Jesus Christ, to suffer and die for the curses of all. Once in time, once for all humanity. This is what happened on the cross. It was the fulfillment of the demand of the first martyr for not just the hemming in and separation from a happy, joy-filled life in every area of living, but a dark demand for the blood of that one to be poured out on the ground, the very earth, just as his had been at the hand of his brother Cain. And so Jesus met that long ago declared demand for justice and spilled every 
single drop of his innocent blood upon the long-awaiting ground. Once done, however, the earth was freed from its obligation to hem in and refused to lovingly serve mankind as it was originally designed. The blood of Jesus, once spilled, fulfilled the demand from the lips of the dying Abel. Hence, Jesus cried out, It is finished. No longer bound by decree from this God of the earth, the prince of the power of the air, Abel's words could no longer have any effect on the body of Jesus as it had now no more blood left in it to claim. Therefore, three days later, it gave up this bloodless body to rise forever alive as mankind was originally intended. So back to the original question we started with. Why is it important to believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Because as Paul points out in his writings, from which I get all of the above information as he so eloquently laid out in his original Greek language writings, which have been obfuscated for the last 2,000 years. You and I were in Christ when all of this happened. This was also brilliantly designed by the Father of all life. You, therefore, had your death as dictated not only by the demands of Abel, but anyone else from that day to this. Every word anyone can ever say over you that demands pain, lack, punishment, must fall down to the ground as you declare and the earth and your body recognize you as one hidden in Christ. His blood poured out upon the ground permanently and forever satiated the man that once could not be ignored. Therefore the earth and your very body made of the earth must release any punishment and give you the radiant life and joy-filled existence, Abba, the creator of all, who chose for you before the very first galaxies formed in the universe when it was released to do so by the words light be. In light of the above, now let me read the very first scripture I ever translated years ago for the Lyric Bible. Ephesians 1.4 So this is the way God decided to save us. Before the stars were made and gave their beautiful light, before there were oceans and the life teeming within them, or lions majestically walking the great expansive deserts, or eagles soaring above, looking keen-eyed upon the vast and expansive mountain vistas, God, our love-driven, propitious, romantic Father, did the wisest, kindest, coolest thing when he placed our very beings hidden in the Lord Jesus Christ, where we would safely ride out the ages with no chance of ever being lost or alone or without hope. You see, Paul points out that not only did you die with Christ in his death on the cross, but more importantly, you were raised to, to a brand new kind of life designed to be free from sickness, dis-ease, lifelessness, or any other punishment hemming you in 
from a joy-filled existence forever and ever. Amen. Paul said, if Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, then neither were you. But I believe Jesus Christ was indeed raised from the dead, and so was I with him, and so were all of you. And that's how I see the gospel, the very, very good news that makes a person leap and jump for joy in 10 minutes or less. very good news that causes a person to leap and jump for joy. Yes, indeed. Um, this is a house in which many beliefs can coexist. This is a house church in which many beliefs can coexist. That is a belief that can coexist in this house. I am so proud to hear that that boldness and it is not um, lost on me how many years of study um, and and meditation and prayer it takes to say something so concise that is that wide I, I think in reverence for that um, compilation we laud and give you applause and very well done just beautiful beautiful and I hear some saying, are you saying that I can still belong here if I don't believe exactly what that gentleman just said? Yes. 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 Your thoughts and your ideas and your beliefs are welcome here. Would you stand with me once again? This is an oldie, an oldie, but a, a goodie. Good morning. Who was raised in a church where you sang, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus? So I have some helpers, helpers in the house. Any, would anybody like to lead this instead of me? <laughs> I'm looking at all my trained, trained singers and musicians, and you're just leaving me up here. <laughs> it's so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take him at his word Just to rest upon his promise Just to know Thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er, Jesus, Jesus. 
precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that thou art takes me home. Does that take anybody else home? Or are some of you struggling to hang in there with me on that? Yeah, so beautiful. Oh, beloved, today is indeed a day that God has made and put us in this space together to create a chemistry, a moment in time that will never quite be repeated a moment in time that we create together with our expectation, our energy. My message today will contain three parts that were spoken to me this week as I thought about the ministry of the word this morning. I thought deeply about our gospel and how practically applied it can actually be in a person's life. So my three parts are simply this. Behold, be held, and be healed. Behold is an old word we barely use. In my mind, it's on the same par as beloved. I love it when someone uses it. Behold means to see rather than to simply look at. It means to have a sense of awe and Look at your name and say, behold. A sense of real impression when you really get something on a deep level. It's like, whoa. So I want to try to explain a few things about today and this week that might help you with your way of seeing this intercultural event that we are about to embark upon. Um, people ask me often in a chiding way, don't you know that Easter is a pagan tradition? And as if to diminish the Christian celebration of Easter. Um, so how did we uh, Christians, or me as a Christian, come to celebrate Easter? And what does Easter even mean anyway? First, the reason why Easter is different, a different date every year, if you've noticed that. It can be as early as in early March or kind of mid-March and then all the way 
to the end of April. But um, Easter Sunday, it always comes on a Sunday, if you noticed that. <laughs> it always comes on a Sunday. <laughs> like Memorial Day is always on a Monday. Thanksgiving's always on a... Come on now. But it's a different date, right? So Easter Sunday is the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. So you want to you learn that and impress your friends next time? Okay. So uh, Easter Sunday is the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. In the Christian tradition, Jesus um, celebrated, well, and in the in the Jewish tradition as well, celebrated a Passover meal with his followers the day before his crucifixion. Don't get hung up on was it the Passover or a Passover. It, there are many feasts throughout that week. It was a Passover meal with his followers the day before his crucifixion, marked on the Thursday before Easter Sunday. So the date of Easter is connected to the date of Passover for, uh, for people in the Jewish tradition. Passover commemorates the liberation of the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt. So you get that the, the two are confluent. They're coming together at the same time, but they are for very different reasons. So you will hear, like, are you celebrating Passover or the Seder meal? Or are you celebrating Easter, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Maundy Thursday? All of these, these words that are, you're going to be hearing this, uh, this week. And around um, it, uh, on social media, you'll see a lot of these things happening this week. But Passover and Easter don't always coincide. Some years, Passover is in April and Easter is in March. Easter can fall anywhere after the spring equinox and through the last part of April. So, the first Sunday after the first full moon formula um, came around in like the 300s with the, the council, the Christian council of Nicaea. And you might be asking, well, wouldn't it just be easier if Easter was on the same day each year? And I, there are feasts that are movable and feasts that are not. This is a movable one. Um, I really liked what this person had to say about this, and it just added such a beautiful, like, um, substantiation to when things are in our mind sort of disorderly. This is Michael Sadgrove, uh, a retired Anglican clergyman, um, said the Christian Easter is hardwired to Judaism and the festival of Passover. He wrote this close relationship between the Jewish and the Christian calendars is a vital link between our two faith traditions. Easter, with its idiosyncratic and rather wonderful variation of date, compels us to notice it and adjust our lives around it. So the Jewish tradition of Passover this week, with its various feasts, is foundationally necessarily connected to Easter, but no, it is different. They are different. Their Jewish siblings will be celebrating in a different way for a different reason happening at the same time this week. But uh, here's why this whole cross event happened to the Jew 
Jesus on that week. Everything culminated here. A myriad of teachings, healings, exorcisms, everything that Jesus had taught, everything he had amassed, comes like riding in. This is Palm Sunday, and I'll explain more what that means, but it's a day where Jesus enters the city where him and all of the Jews from the surrounding areas come traveling into the city for Passover. They come there on purpose for that week. Interestingly, Jesus, if it's fascinating to see how many things Jesus does as God's lamb, as the lamb of God, um, that coincide with um, the Jewish tradition of selecting the lamb at the front of the week and then uh, the, the lamb carrying through with the family throughout the week until at once that, that fateful day, sad day, the, the lamb becomes dinner. Um, thanks for that laugh. Thank you for breaking the tension a little bit. But there were two processions that day that came into the city for Passover. From the west, Pilate, draped in his gaudy glory garments of imperial power, stallions and horses and army and chariots and gleaming armor, he moved in with the Roman army at the beginning of Passover week to make sure nothing got out of hand. There was an insurrection on deck. And so these military forces, you can imagine, as these, as these Jews come to celebrate this week that is pivotal in their tradition, they are not alone. They are surrounded by men in this Roman garb and armor to watch everything they would do. They had a triumphal entry into the city. They came in dressed for battle, dressed to intimidate, dressed to conquer, to show their presence and make their presence known that, hey, we occupy this place. You are ours. From the east came another procession, a commoner's procession. You guessed it, Jesus, in ordinary robe, riding on a young donkey or a colt. Luke had in mind here, the Luke account, and I'm going to read in a moment, had in mind here the plot of the prophetic voice of Zechariah 9.9. See, some take the prophecies from the Hebrew scriptures and they relate them. And so the Lucan account, Luke is, is hearkening back to what they would read um, in their, around their tables. And, and they, he was hearkening back to Zion's king comes to Jerusalem triumphant and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey. For all its joyful hosannas, Palm Sunday is a day of contrasts. In one way, we see Jesus, the king of the universe, chooses to ride a borrowed colt. We see two major regimes. We see the parody 
of Jesus riding in on a donkey on his disciples' clothing, mimicking the royal parade. Can you imagine that? Let us take a peek into this moment that we've been building up to in Luke 19. So I'm in Luke 19, 28. After he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those... <laughs> Evidently, that worked for, for them. So, those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Oh, I already said it. They said it. Okay, and after throwing, fast forward, and after they were uh, throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat. Jesus on it. And he rode along. People kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they have seen, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest so beautiful that scene something like a protest there was a parody where you know you're on the right side of history if you were one of those that put your cloak down in front of him you just knew in your bones that something special was happening you knew in your bones that this looked different than what you had just seen in the other parade Be held. A wise person once said, we will never have peace on earth until we can quiet the wars within our own hearts. Sometimes we can be clueless about how to get peace, how to achieve peace. In Hebrew, the word shalom is more than just simply peace. It is a complete peace. It is a feeling of contentment, completeness, wholeness, well-being, a deep feeling of nothing missing and nothing broken. Back to our story of Jesus' entry to the city that day, the young donkey part, I think holds a particular significance to us today. So I've always wanted to preach this, this part of the story, in a certain way, but I've been held back by better judgment. And I guess a bit of cowardice. And today I'd like to preach it the way I hear it. So personally, I identify more with this young colt, this young donkey. I have felt like the young arse just waiting for something, not knowing it, 
would be as exceptional as this, but waiting, tied up, tied up in knots, waiting for a Savior, a Redeemer, to take my sorry arse down the road to something great. I hear it in my mind's eye that Jesus said, I have need of your ass. I need you. You my ass now. In the most loving, kind way. To be held by the one. To be held by the one choosing you. Chosen just as you are. Just as you are in the world. Tied as you may be like this little cult to your current scenario in life. Just tied there. Unable of any autonomy to move on its own, just tied there to its current scenario in life. A Savior has come and is coming and will continue to come to me. To loosen you. To untie you. And give you your role in the larger story. To be held by the peace of Shalom, the Prince of Peace, the one who transfers all the ways in which he is completely settled in who he is. Able to ride alongside that giant display of power, to ride alongside it on just what he found, to unpack that beautiful animal and give it the grace and the dignity of a stallion. Let yourself be held by this platinum ticket. Do you watch American Idol? Because we've been watching American Idol. And I've been excited about the American Idol because um, there's three people that get chosen. There's like gazillions. We keep thinking, how many more can they possibly let through? But there's something called a platinum ticket, and only three out of like 100 get it. When you get the platinum ticket, you get a pass on the first round. Like you automatically are approved to go through without having to sing for your place in the contest. So you sit on the sidelines watching everyone else squirm and perform for their way in while you, with your platinum ticket, sit on the high lofty plane and watch it. Wait, here's the funny thing about humans. When they don't have a chance to work for something, when it's given to them, when it's bestowed upon them an honor, like, we see in you the ability to sing. You're so good, we're going to let you pass this first round. We see in you the ability, you may even make it to our top ten platinum ticket. They absolutely can't handle it. Too much pressure, too much stress. When the second round comes in, they now feel like they have to do extraordinarily more to prove that the judges made the right decision. <laughs> I love that you love this. It's nice when my wife says, amen. They were already in. 
They were already established, but now they felt they had to work for it, which then put them in this place of stress, and I can't do it. What if they don't? What if they change their mind? What if I'm not as good as I was? Still trying to deserve and improve it. Be healed. Behold, beloved, as a life begins to really absorb the life of Christ and all the beautiful ways it comes into our deepest, most tragic pain, our severely isolated lives and into our loneliness despite of who's around us, a real work of healing begins to take place as we allow ourselves to actually be held by this Christ peace and let this mind be in you that was in Christ. Let this salvation work itself in you and through you and all over you like the woman at the feet of Jesus last week with her tears and her oil. When you allow the absorption of Christ's life and your life to intermingle in the tears and the oil of your life, something truly begins to manifest itself in you. A courage, a ability to stand in one's own platinum ticket, so to speak. Ability to not have to work for it. You show up in your life a little more confidently. But it takes a resting in Christ, the work of Christ, and like him in that moment, to let him carry you from your tied up places to a new open place. Behold, I hear the Spirit saying, Beloved, I hear the Spirit wooing, I am doing a new thing. Behold, be held, and be healed by this word of God today. Amen. I wonder if someone has gone back yet to um, give them the heads up that they can start um, cleaning up to join us. Tammy, are you doing that? Okay, cool. April had said that she was going to um, shoot for noon and hopefully uh, the kids would be ready because we like to include the kids back in for communion. Psalm 18 is a psalm while we're waiting for the children and we're preparing ourselves for communion. Psalm 18 is a psalm that is read every Passover in the Jewish tradition and the psalms are so fascinating in that they are read by multiple religions um, in the world today and one of which is ours and I just wanted to bless you with this because this will be being said and sung at the same time we are doing our Easter festivities um, this week and walking in the passion Psalm 18 oh give thanks to the Lord for God is good God's steadfast love endures forever let us now say God's steadfast love endures forever. 
Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for God is good, for their steadfast love endures forever. The energy and words of God are our healing today. Hank, if you wanted to start, I have my phone set on the song that I wanted played softly. As the children come in, would you stand with me? And receive them back with reverence. This is our interactive time of worship. You may light a candle at the cross um, to indicate a prayer, an offering, a contemplation. You may take a journaling card and journal. You may place a rock into the water vessel here, indicating something that you might want to lay down in this service today. And then you may complete your time of worship, contemplation, and reflection with communion. There is prepackaged communion as well as um, gluten-free bread and bread and juice in the cups. It is grape juice. Today, you will come to the table and take the bread however you wish to take it, whichever one, and return to your seat with it, and together we will partake as a family. Um, this is a extension, a holy time for us to allow this morning to settle into our bones. It's a way to interact with the message. You don't have to be a part of this church, a member of this church, or even believe any of what we've said. If you want to participate in communion, you are welcome. You are welcome at this table. All that I ask is that you want to. If you don't have So God bless you as you come. Let's keep it quiet in here. Please no conversations at this time. And again, we will take the communion together after everyone has received. God bless you as you come. Yeah. 
On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, remember me. House church, take and eat the body of Christ. same night he took the cup after the dinner was over and said this is my blood a new covenant in my love as often as you do this remember me house church take and drink the blood of christ the forgiveness of sins We'd like for the children to pause for a moment and everyone to take a pause. Just hold your cup in your hand. Just take a pause and let that become internal to you. Whatever you received today is yours alone. Whatever you received today is for you. God meant it just for you. As the bread and the juice are now inside of your being and the body does its transformative work let the words spoken today that you have received in love do their transformative work may this ritual and this time to pause in this week remind you that you are not alone. May this ritual be a punctuation in what would ordinarily be a run-on sentence of life. I pray that you process today becoming fully integrated into your most holy self. I want that for you. In Jesus' name. And so 
yes, Isaiah, you may collect glasses, you may collect cups, and other children who would like to help, thank you guys for being so respectful. And so, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. In this is love, not that we love and impress God, but that God loves us and gave God's self to be the mercy seat for our sin. In light of this glorious truth, let us be tender-hearted toward one another, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has abundantly forgiven us. And as we have freely received today, let us go and freely give. God bless you this hour and every hour of your Sunday. I really want to see you next week. I really want to eat tamales and all the things. I want to eat everything. Just fast this week, and we'll all eat together on Sunday. And it'll be a good time. Bring everybody that you know. Bring your dish. There's, there's going to be plug-ins. I'm sure if you have stuff that's in crock pots, we'll have places to plug in. And if you need something in the fridge, you can put it in the fridge. And so it'll just be like home. It'll just be like home for a few hours together. Does that sound fun? Sound good? All my people with social anxiety said, yeah, sounds so fun. Can't wait. Sit next to somebody I don't know at a table. It'll be great. No, but really... Happy Holy Week. God bless you.